Coming up, a conversation with Andrew Dalby, candidate for Colorado Springs mayor. This is 6035 Media. Casting an informed vote is your right and your duty as a citizen. I'm Brian Grossman, executive editor of 6035. And I'm Shelley Roars, spokesperson for the League of Women Voters of the Pikes Peak region. We're teaming up to bring you conversations with candidates in the April 2023 Colorado Springs City election. So this interview is both an episode of the new 6035 Vote podcast. And the League's Making Democracy Work podcast. So let's get to it. We're welcoming Andrew again. Why don't you open us up with a, a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit about you, please. All right. Well, very good. I am a Colorado Springs native. I grew up, I was born in Penrose Hospital here in town and uh, grew up on the east side of town, or what was the east side of town at the time, Academy in Palmer Park area. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduated from Mitchell High School, went to University of Denver for a couple of years, and then being young and stupid, did what young and stupid men do and followed a girl out to uh, Pacific Lutheran University where I graduated with a degree in biochemistry. Okay. Uh, I moved back to Colorado. Uh, after that, and then I uh, I got a master's in computer information systems from Regis University. Spent 20 years in IT. The last 10 years or so, uh, I was managing a team of consultants. Uh, did a lot of system engineering and consulting for um, small companies, all the way up to large international conglomerates and governments. So, uh, worked for the Department of Defense, uh, state of Wyoming. When the Colorado Springs Utilities here in town implemented their current uh, enterprise resource planning or ERP system, the, the system that runs everything, mm-hmm. that was my team that did that. Um, so then a few years ago, um, my dad passed away, and I took over the, the family business. He uh, bought some property out on Powers when it was a couple of wheel ruts in the weeds. So that's how I learned to drive is grading that uh, mm-hmm. on the tractor. Um, so for the last few years, I've been running that business out there. Okay. Uh, why don't we get into some specific questions? Uh, and these will be sort of similar to some of the questions we ask city councilors too, although there will be some differences, uh, or city council candidates. Uh, let's start with development and water. What's your stand on the, it's now the 128% water rule um, as far as annexations, flagpole annexations? How, how do you feel about, uh, I guess, both flag, flagpole annexations and the, the water rule itself? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting topic. So obviously there's a... a philosophical issue there and then a uh, tactical issue as it is. So um, water and the lack of it in Colorado Springs is obviously the biggest long-term issue that we face as a community. We're uh, in a high desert and we're the only significant city in the state that isn't located on a a river, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, due to climactic variations, changes due to natural causes or human causes, whatever, as well as demographic changes. You know, the Colorado River Basin is at its lowest point ever. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's a real issue that needs to be addressed. And we should have some, you know, reserves for a rainy day. But that particular uh, issue is just two big developers who are having a little boxing match uh, over at the city council. And so the... Um, the, the issues will change and their positions will change. The council members' issues will change based on, you know, 
who their masters want uh, are, are fighting for. So that that's the problem that I have with that particular issue, is it's not based on actual concern for the citizenry. And that's what most of the problems in our – most of the issues that are being discussed in our city right now are um, developers pulling the strings behind the scenes. And um, so, you know, I, one of the things that I hear – most often when I talk to people is, oh, I bought a house in a single family zoned uh, neighborhood. And now some developer wants to come in, they dangle a few bucks in front of the city council, and now they're changing the neighborhood character. Um, You know, that's not what I bought. That's not what I paid for. Mm -hmm. Um, And the citizens should have (laughs) more direct role and, and the counselor should represent the people that vote for them, not the people who bankroll them. Okay. Shelley? Yes, sir. Um, kind of a two-pronged question off of water. We we talk a lot about waste when we talk about water. There's a specific, to me, landscaping is a waste of water. Um, no offense, Kentucky bluegrass doesn't belong in this city, let alone the state. And um, with and large, you know, golf courses and resorts and big companies water their property to just make it look pretty. That's a waste in my in in the league's eyes as as per such. So one, you know, how can we do better with regards to our guidelines on waste? And then also, should the city consider extending water and other utilities to sub- subdivisions located outside the city that might never be annexed as part of that region as part of being a regional water provider? Yeah. So again, yeah, water's water's the big issue, right? Um, so you're right. Kentucky bluegrass is certainly not a native species to Colorado, but there are certainly advantages to having landscaping. Um, I uh, I've done a little landscaping in my in my past, so I, I certainly have a little affection for the for the guys who are out there doing things to try to make people's lives prettier. And I would never ask somebody to to live in a desolate concrete or uh, rock environment. That's it's not uh, aesthetically pleasing. There's a there's a certain music to the soul that needs to happen in in your living environment. Um, there's also environmental advantages to having some greenery, right? There's the the heat island effect. Um, as well as you know uh, some of the some of the other issues that are involved. I mean, you know some of the some of the the issues that involve you know urban uh, poor people. A lot of that has to do with just a just a kind of a soul killing environment where there's not any escape from the concrete jungle. Yeah. And I don't want Colorado Springs to become that as a whole. So. Yeah, I agree. It's not necessarily the best use to have a, a five-acre, uh, you know, lawn lawn in front of a, you know, a business park or something like that. But if somebody's got a couple, you know, a few hundred square feet of, of bluegrass in front of their yard for their or in front of their house for their kids to play in and to cool off the house and to trap dust and to just make their play, their living space more pleasant. I don't have a particular. Uh, reason to say they shouldn't. Uh, one of the things that does concern me, though, is uh, is as you say, waste. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you've looked into or under, uh, you know, gray water and 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 black water systems. And so, the utilities has very strict guidelines on how you can use that and what you can do there. I'd like to see more innovation in terms of reusing water. So, I know um, a lot of times my 
water bill doubles in the summer, and, and I know a lot of people does. And that means that I'm basically using about the same amount of water inside as I am outside. If I can use that water inside and then and then also use it outside, um, that that has the advantage of, of the dual use of that. I can have the amount of water that I use in the summer. That's a significant saving. And it also has a filtering effect, right? So you've got your phosphates and your sulfates and all the other issues that uh, come from domestic water stream uh, wastewater that uh, that filter out and, and biological filters. So it's mm-hmm. I think that's a, something I'd like to see done more. Thank you. And just as a follow-up, sir, as the League of Women Voters, um, there's an environmental center on Mesa that literally has a beautiful center of uh, native plants to this area that is helps with your, you know, what you talk about, a green island um, and, and not so much, you know, again, I get the Kentucky bluegrass and people putting that, why they do that. And you mentioned more trees and you're right. Um, you know, we need more trees in the Southeast of part of the city and they need some money to do that as well. So that's kind of part of your job is if you are the mayor, um, and soul killing environment, I'm sorry to kind of put your words back at you. Cause, um, yesterday's interviews, the ones that we were doing, I, didn't really get the answer that I was looking for. And you mentioned more innovation. That is one plan. I do appreciate that. Um, But from from a league perspective, there are many, many things that the city is doing, including CSU utilities. And I would encourage us as a, as a, uh, not all of us can double um, our water bills in the summer to help water our lawns. And that's where we're coming from with regards to that. But thank you for your comments. No, absolutely. I, I understand. So, Thank you for your comments. Thanks, Shelley. Uh, let's move on to a new topic. Where do you stand on accessory dwelling units being allowed in single-family residential areas? Again, same issue, right? So if you buy your house and you understand that part of the deal is that this is going to be a single-family residential neighborhood, then when the rules get changed out from underneath you and you feel like it's uh, not because the your representatives have your best interest at heart, but because they're seeking donations or some other issue, then uh, people feel very betrayed mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a libertarian and, and a conservative. So in a general rule, I'd say, hey, it's your property. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But of course, when your neighbors have deal, have uh, bought the property based on certain understandings, that's inappropriate. One of the things that's kind of dismaying is I spent more time getting into the political arena because, of course, this is my first foray into it, is you go down to the city council or the county commissioners and 90% of what they do is they're sitting there talking and negotiating about, oh, well, should this development be required to have elms or aspens in the in the greenway or should, what kind of, again, aesthetics should, should be involved in order to allow this development. Um, and I remember, you know, I'm old enough that I remember when zoning was a uh, was a conservative, uh, not zoning or opposition to zoning was a conservative talking point when the county voted to zone the entire county against the opposition of the outlying areas. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take that control from the local neighborhood and you put it in the hands of politicians, I think it's generally bad. Um, I spent a little time on a contract uh, in New Jersey. Uh, one of the one of the, my clients was a diver- the New Jersey Department of Corrections, and I spent six months out there putting in a big system for them. Uh, and one of the things that they do there is they have development rights as a separate property right. And so what I'd like to see is those development rights being held in a trust, but that's owned by the uh, 
by the neighborhood. So every neighborhood, then the people who own property in that neighborhood could make the decisions as it affects their own homes. And then also they could sell those property rights to developers. If they want to make the profit, then they should be the ones that, that, that benefit from that, but they should also have that local control instead of having that being, that made, those decisions being made by developers and, and politicians. Okay. Shelly, over to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. How do you plan to address the city's affordable housing crisis, sir? So I have six kids and they're starting to get to uh, be adulthood. My oldest just turned 21. I got a, some, uh, my son is about to turn 19 and then they go down from there. So they're all in that age where they're starting to look at uh, independence and, and getting a home for, on their own. And uh, that's a real big issue that, uh, that we need to address. You know, the fact of the matter is, is the law of supply and demand is just a fact. We can't get around that. You can build houses and then charge less than the market rate, but uh, then you'll always have an oversupply of the, or an overdemand for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the rent control in New York City is, is famously broken. Um, so, you know, there's only two ways to, to reduce prices. You either reduce demand or you increase supply. So I'm not a big fan of uh, reducing the... Um, the desirability of living in Colorado Springs, so there's not much we can do there on the on the demand side. So the answer has got to be more supply. Um, and uh, again, we've got water issues. That's the big limiting factor in terms of supply, uh, in terms of how big the city can grow. The other issue is that you know a quarter of the city's land area is undeveloped and owned by a single developer who mm -hmm. is choosing not to develop that uh, because it uh, you know artificial scarcity drives up the price. So, uh, how would I address that issue? Well, if the developer chooses to use his monopoly power to artificially drive up the price, then, well, those parts don't have to be in the city. We could annex other cities so, or other properties. So, we could de-annex that and, and then relieve him of the advantages of being in the city. Shelly, you good? Yes, sir. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Yes, Thank you, go ahead. Yep. Thank you. Uh, public safety. Uh, Colorado Springs Police Department is well short of authorized strength, about 70 officers. Uh, crimes going up, traffic traffic crashes. We had our worst year ever last year when it came to fatalities. Uh, what would you do about public safety and, and staffing issues? Yeah, okay. So water's the big long-term issue. Public safety is yeah. the, the, the big short-term <laughs> issue, right? Yep. And so, uh, you know, I feel this too, right? Uh, Somebody ran into my mailbox a couple of months ago. I called the non-emergency line. I was on hold for 45 minutes. <laughs> and I know that people call 911 and are being put on hold. And that's unacceptable. There's no way that anybody should ever be put on hold if they're in an emergency. That's not okay. And the response times are atrocious. And, and everybody knows this and everybody hates it. The cops, most of all. Um, you know, Colorado Springs is uniquely situated in this situation or in this uh, where they can address that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got thousands of veterans who have been who have training in, um, you know, police like activities. I mean, a lot of what we did for the last few decades in in the Middle East is is basically policing. Mm -hmm. um, and those people have shown that they have a willingness to, to put their lives on the line in order to, to serve their community. We've also got people who are just they like uh, they like their service they, they like their community and they have voluntarily gone through post which is uh, peace officer standards and training and so we have enough people in the city right now to fill all those posts and we are the most cop friendly large city in America 
So the citizenry supports the, the cops. We could fill those, those positions tomorrow if we could convince potential recruits that the job is worth having. But we don't. Uh, and, you know, some of that is part of the national uh, issues that have been over the last few years where we had the defund the police, which is, I think, obviously, you know, they're, they're, the repercussions of that movement are coming back. And, and people are saying that wasn't a, a, wise, uh, a wise strategy to go with. But, um, but locally here in town, uh, just last month, uh, I know Pam Zubek here at the well, what was the Independent? I think last month yep. uh, said uh, she she wrote an, an article about that how the city um, has declined to defend a firefighter who was involved in an incident mm-hmm. where unfortunately you know uh, uh, someone was was someone died in yep. this incident, but uh, it's not through any overt actions and it was just an accident. Um, when we ask public safety officials to go into the line of fire to go, you know put their life on the line mm-hmm. to save ours, to help us to, to stay safe. And then the city council says, hey, we're not even going to defend you. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that sends a message. It sends a message to people who's, who, to know that uh, the city doesn't have your back. And, uh, and if there's anything that goes wrong, you're going to be on the hook for your own defense. You're going to be thrown under the bus by us. And nobody wants to be in that situation. You end up with people who then are self-protective rather than serving the community. And, and one of the big ways they do that is not going into the into the profession in the first place or leaving mm-hmm. if they have other options. So, um, you know, I think that qualified immunity is an atrocious uh, thing. I'm glad that we got rid of qualified immunity. Nobody should be above the law. I don't care if you're wearing a badge or you're elected official or anything. Qualified immunity was wrong and it needed to go. But we need to have we need to replace that with professional indemnity. So the city needs to say, "Hey, we're here to defend you up until the point you're convicted by a jury of your peers." Right? So uh, we we no one's above the law, and you're innocent until proven guilty. Once you're proven guilty, hey, you're a criminal, and you should be treated like a criminal. But up until that point, the city needs to have your back. Okay, uh, Shelley. Yes, sir. Um, you mentioned this is a police officer friendly community. Um, one of the tasks that the police officers usually have to deal with, um, which really shouldn't be their under their purview, is homelessness. So they're kind of uh, tied at the hands, you know, with regards to dealing with certain calls. How do how would you address the homeless issue in our community? Yeah, homelessness is a problem. That uh, you know, the most tragic fact and about homelessness is that while you know you and I might want to eliminate homelessness, there are people who who really actually don't want to eliminate homelessness. Um, so we all know that people who are homeless have tragic backstories, and there's a lot of reasons why they might end up on the street in the first place, um, but they stay on the street because of mental illness, drug addiction, or just, you know, they're just unwilling to follow society's rules. And um, there's a lot of people who won't accept the help that they have been offered. Um, you know, I was down talking to the Springs Rescue Mission, and they have enough beds that there's no need for anyone to sleep outside in this in the city. So um, no one sleeps outside because they have to. They sleep outside because of tough situations and because of choice. So, um, you know, again, I'm libertarian. You live how you want to live. I, if you want to live... If, if that's the lifestyle you want, that's okay. But you don't have a right to threaten public safety, to inhibit 
um, you know, people from going around in the parks. It's not, uh, you know, if, if my kids can't go to the park or my wife can't go somewhere, you know, go along the Pikes Peak Greenway Trail without feeling threatened, um, if you're burning trash piles or polluting the, the waterways, um, those are criminal activities. And so those do intersect with the police in that area. But absolutely, um, you know, we have help available and I support everyone getting involved. One of the things that I, I really am a strong advocate of is individuals being involved. You know, don't just pay your taxes or, you know, throw a little money in the pot or, or hand a handout to somebody, but be involved. Go down to the Springs Rescue Mission. Volunteer your time as well as your money. Go to the Marion House and, and hand out food to, to people in, in, in worse circumstances than yours. Be involved in the community. Um, and you and so I, I want people to do those things, um, but you know when people are unwilling to accept help, then sometimes a little tough love is is necessary. So your answer to the um, your plan as the mayor of our community for the homeless problem is choose if you choose to sleep outside, it's your choice. You live how you want to live. For us who can volunteer, volunteer more for those organizations and um, basically some tough love. Is that what I hear? Basically, uh, I believe we have an ordinance against camping in the city. So if you want to camp um, up in the mountains, you could. But uh, in the city limits, on the city parks, I think that that's not a permissible thing as far as I understand this, the city code. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Brian, go ahead. Yep. Thanks, Shelley. Uh, how would you address a growing chasm between City Hall and the public on decisions regarding roads, police use of force, zoning issues, and development of parks? Should we go? Should we go over each of those? No, that's all right. I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I think I was. There's a wide array there. There is a wide array there. Yeah. So my personal, uh, what I'm doing about it is sitting in this chair yep. and running for office. Uh, again, I think that everybody needs to get involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talk to people and there's a big difference between anger and activism. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a difference between saying, oh, the city should do something and going to the city council meetings. And I know that they're not convenient, right? They are kind of deliberately in the middle of a work day where you have to, and city council and county commissioners are, uh, they each have one meeting that's open to the, the public a week or one every other week in the House of the City Council, and they met, then they schedule it at the same time. So you can't go to both at, uh, if you want to. Um, I know that's inconvenient. I know that people have to take work off. Um, but if you don't make your voice heard, if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't do things, if you don't go to caucus and vote and, and run for office and, you know, petition your, your elected officials and call them, um, then the people who do are going to call the shots, right? The the people with money who uh, who pay for campaign contributions and the people who show up to meetings are the people who get listened to. So get involved. Uh, just as sort of a, a follow-up on specifics, do you think that there are chasms between City Hall, the mayor's office, regarding things like roads, police use of force, zoning, and development? I'm not sure on... Uh, on all of those, I think that uh, you know most of the people I talk to, um, zoning, mm -hmm. like I said, that's that's most of what city council and, and county commissioners spend their time on is rezoning things, and there is a big disconnect there. And like I said, if we put the power back in the neighborhoods by by entrusting the development rights in the individual neighborhoods rather than in the political process, that would be a huge factor there. 
roads. I know that uh, I hear a lot of complaints. Well, we keep raising taxes. We keep passing PPRTA and 2C, and yet the roads are still terrible. My road hasn't been plowed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and so um, there is obviously an issue there. I, I see a lot of waste in the in the political arena. When I look at the budget, there's a bunch of things where I think, well, um, <laughs> I'm not sure we needed to to spend our money on a on a vanity project. It'd be better if we just did the the basics. So, um, I'm a big fan of uh, public works, public parks, and public safety as the as the three legitimate functions of city government. Mm-hmm. And when we're not getting those three right, then uh, we shouldn't be <laughs> off trying to, you know, save the world and do other things. And uh, you know, so I think that uh, just a focus on on the basics would really help on that. So we are uh, running out of time, Shelley. I'll go ahead and pitch it back to you, and you can finish out with the league's questions. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, and Andrew, just so you know, there's a lot of questions we don't ask here. You get, as a candidate, our uh, survey for Vote 411, which is our national league um, portal, and it very it's very specific to local elections like this. So, you know, your top three platform issues and why you should be the um, the mayor over your other candidates are kind of some of those basic ones. So we appreciate you um, submitting those answers. But uh, I'm sure you are aware of the league's lawsuit um, with Colorado Latinos Vote, Citizens Project, and the Black and Latino Leadership Coalition against the city to move municipal elections um, to the fall, not necessarily during a gubernatorial or presidential year, but preferably the same time as school board elections in hopes of increasing minority voter turnout and saving the city some money. What are your thoughts on this lawsuit? So, uh, yeah, obviously it's a little weird that uh, our municipal vote, our uh, election is in the spring of an odd year instead of in the fall of an even-numbered year. So um, the county runs coordinated elections for all different levels except for the city. And uh, that's been one of the things that, that I, when people come to me, and they're like, oh, well, didn't we just have an election, or when, is that coming up next year? No, it's it's just a couple months from now. Uh, there's, uh, it's not just minority communities that are unaware of that. It's everybody is unaware that this is a that this is the time frame. It's it's a strange thing. Um, I am torn about that. I like the fact that it's um, that by statute, by Colorado State statute, that as a home rule city, we have the right and the obligation to run our own elections. I like that that local community, um, that local control, um, but I certainly uh, there are certainly reasons to believe that the that the timing of the election was decided in order to minimize voter participation, and so that is a I think that that if you say that the that the choice of time for the election was was in a deliberate attempt to to minimize um, voter turnout, then I I certainly am. I, I hear that, and I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. No, sir. I'm sorry. That's not what we are saying, that it's deliberately done that way. You're right. It is in the charter. Yeah. What we're saying is specifically based on data and voter turnout, spring mm-hmm. elections negatively impact minority voters more so. But you're right. Overall, turnout for everyone is less during that time frame. But we as a League of Women Voters are looking at data that specifically in this instance it impacts minority voters more, and that was again one of the one of the reasons for the um, the change in our request. And again, it is to change the charter. And you're right, home rule. But we're just saying, look, this could be better done. 
um, with regards to minority voter turnouts and other people's turnouts, you're right, but um, also it could save the city some money. So as a libertarian, I would think you would be all for that, but thank you very much. I appreciate your um, your comments on that. Brian? Uh, we, like I said, we're running out of time, so we're, we'll give you two minutes to wrap up uh, and tell voters why they should vote for you. All right, very good. Well, so um, as everybody knows, the current crop of Politicians have been in office basically since the turn of the century, and they just keep hopping offices. You know, they get term limited out, and they go one office over. Uh, that's not why we have term limits. It's to say, hey, go home, live under the rules that uh, you made for everybody else. Uh, you're not special. You're just a guy doing a service. So um, insanity has been often uh, described as uh, continuing to do the same thing and expecting different results. The politicians who are in office now are either unwilling or unable to solve the problems that we have. It's time to send them packing and go home. I've got the experience and uh, education to solve the city's problems, and I'd like, I'd like your vote. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you've been watching or listening to a joint podcast effort by 6035 Media and the League of Women Voters of the Pikes Peak region. Be sure to follow Making Democracy Work and check out lwvppr.org for more information regarding our candidate forums in March. And keep watching 6035 Vote to make sure your vote is an informed one. This podcast is produced by Dave Gardner, video directed by Nick Raven. I'm Brian Grossman, executive editor. And I'm Shelley Rohr, spokesperson for the League of Women Voters. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Dave Gardner. And I'm Nick Raven. We're the podcast producers here at 6035 Media. 6035 Vote is just one of a growing family of hyperlocal podcasts that we're creating. And these are for you, someone who wants to engage fully in your community. We've got the 6035, which is a quick, lively recap of the top news stories of the week. It's my favorite. It's really great and often funny. I love having you as a guest, actually. I do, too. And then we have Hot Takes and Stirring Breaks, which is a potpourri of news and commentary about movies, gaming, TV, streaming, and just so much more. It's for youthful heart, and, you know, that could be anyone, really. Yeah, I'm surprised I even really enjoy it because Nick hosts that, and uh, he's, he's witty. Well, and the cool thing is that you can watch both of these podcasts on YouTube. Or you can listen to them on the go in your favorite podcast app. And there's a couple more, uh, but you can also visit 6035media.org slash podcast to see them, browse them, sample them. And then subscribe to the ones that you like. And then subscribe to this YouTube channel. Yeah. And if you really love it all, like we do, uh, you you can just subscribe to the 6035 Podcast Network podcast, which is a conglomeration of all the episodes, all the brilliance and humor that emanates from the studio. Absolutely. And there's a lot of it. So like and subscribe today and go listen to them all or watch them. What he said. Good. Thanks. Got it. That wasn't so painful.